recording is on. Recording is on. <laughs> Both of us are like, I don't want to do the introduction. See, I'm not introducing because I'm Twitter famous now, so. Oh my God. It's on you, girl. Um, it's on you. I want my green M&Ms. The, <laughs> the lesser known co-host is going to take over. Um, so welcome back to The Grim Reader. Episode 21. Oh my God. Who would have thought that we were going to get into the double digits at all? But... She's gone drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this is a podcast where we judge each other's books by the front cover and then get a little up. <laughs> that didn't go well. Take two. <laughs> this is a podcast where we judge each other's books by the front cover and then give a little book review afterwards. So uh yes enjoy as well we're missing a co-host today um and we potentially might be missing uh chloe for a little while we will be sticking her face on milk bottles everywhere (laughs) she's not actually missing um she is just um very busy with college work so she's taking a little bit of a break because college comfort college comes first there we go (laughs) beautiful speech and And me and becca have masters in case you couldn't tell (laughs) what <laughs> they're actually like educated um i know no. hard to believe <laughs> and um so yeah she'll be joining us back in a few weeks time hopefully so yes. you just have to put up with the two of us <laughs> chaotic neutral and chaotic we'll balance each chaotic. other out somehow <laughs> grand so far so as nikki mentioned uh she is now twitter <laughs> famous yet yet again i um, got a whole okay i my friend Alex, my beloved best friend Alex, texted me on a photo of this guy on Reddit who edits Paddington into different feature films, including Interstellar, where he has like a little space suit on. He's all cute. And then like Parasite, where he's like standing in the basement. <laughs> so I thought it was really funny. And I just pulled up on Twitter and I just tweeted like, oh my God, there's this guy on Reddit does this thing where he edits Paddington into things, expecting that like my six loyal kind of usual Twitter readers would um, enjoy it. And all of a sudden I'm on 10,000 likes <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? So I like put the podcast underneath and I was like, oh guys, since this is blowing up, like if anyone enjoys books or reading like come check our podcast the grim reader out we're irish da, da, da. and uh, i got fucking roasted <laughs> and i mean like some of those comments underneath are just because she tagged the podcast i saw them as well like, i, was like, I oh, tagged wow. the podcast when we were on like eight thousand likes i was like yeah let's go and we're now on was it seventy nine thousand? <laughs> I, I think it is i think it is but like what I love is that um, Nikki's boyfriend tweeted underneath, they're like, get a load of this loser. Hashtag he steals contents. Hashtag she's a he. <laughs> that's because someone retweeted it and said like he amended his tweet on this because i accidentally said that the guy who was on twitter yeah Yeah. was on twitter instead of reddit so then i had a tweet underneath a kind of clarifying and he retweeted me and was like he said he amends his first tweet and i was like how the fuck does he think i'm a guy (laughs) like i have my pronouns in my bio my name um, is Nikki. That and makes a, a lot more sense because I was like, hmm, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. weird. But I was like, at least Emmett is joining in on this roasting. But then yeah, people joined then in. trolls and were like, oh yeah, roast her. <laughs> like, and started liking <laughs> I it as well. I didn't realize Emmett's <laughs> my boyfriend. <laughs> but, um... Someone else said, don't plug stuff. People don't like that. I was like, I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. You're not my real dad. <laughs> You're not my real dad. <laughs> my dad left okay (laughs) (laughs) but um what i loved was as well that original tweet let me go and try and find it um i read it in your voice um so i did when i first saw it like there's a man on twitter who edits paddington into a movie every single day and then right underneath it in all caps in another tweet is i meant read it fuck <laughs> just read it like that fuck. <laughs> exactly how you'd say it I was like yep yeah so Nikki like yeah I'm um, literally I'm nearly on 80k and uh, Alex has said that um he's done with me <laughs> I stole his internet fame yeah I I gained like 26 followers just 26 like that's a really 26. bad ratio 
It is. 80,000 versus 26. You see, it wasn't your content. So they were probably it like, wasn't. not giving not giving a follow but like yeah those but still photos, look, some people did i have to say like they are like him and the avengers like look at him just eating his little marmalade sandwich beside captain america like but, but another guy keeps messaging me every day now saying um uh hey mickey you're so fine and linking me the song i know i'm actually not able he tweets me every day the last three days i don't know this man <laughs> Becca, I want to talk about books. Um, Well, before we get into that, um, (laughs) coming back to a reoccurring theme of the podcast, that hasn't actually come up in in quite a while. And I was really proud of us for not bringing it up in a really long time. For not bringing up cannibalism. (laughs) And then opened up Twitter. And the first tweet I see is from Patrick Frayne. The author Uh, of our last episode's book club. Um, yes, our first ever book club episode. Um, book okay, club. let's do your stupid idea. And he tweets out, you know, in zombie apocalypse stories, when the heroes meet a new community and everything is a bit too perfect and everyone's a bit too friendly and you think these people are definitely cannibals. I feel like that in some suburbs of Dublin. And to be honest, same. <laughs> like that's real. That is that is a real feeling. And then underneath it, he goes in brackets, in case this comes across as judgmental. Let me just say, I will happily be the first to try cannibalism if that's the way the wind is blowing. <laughs> <laughs> and read that and I say, he's one of us. <laughs> um, like if we don't get him on as a guest, if this keeps going or whatever, you know, we'll have failed at life. <laughs> Patrick Frayne, we stand you. He ignored me when I said that I stand him. He ignored me. He was probably like, if you're oh listening, God. fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like groupies. Ew. Um, but yeah, it, I I'll was ride like, on your coattails, Patrick Frayne. <laughs> the way that I did that Reddit man on <laughs> who puts Paddington into different film scenes. <laughs> but yeah, just your, if you were missing the old cannibalism chats, they're back. <laughs> They never went far. They, they never went very far. <laughs> we but, simply uh, tag teamed Patrick Frayne. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, life's been pretty boring and we're going to get into books. We're going to talk about books. Books. going to talk about books. It's so funny. Whenever I run into anyone, do you know, like I'd be in the supermarket and I'd run into someone and they're like, any news? And I'm like, yeah, I read this book this morning. It was really good. And all I can talk about is books now. Um, so my book is up first. So yes. Rebecca is going to catch a little glance at a book written by another Rebecca. Who could it be? It's Rebecca Watson, baby. Now, so this is a really striking cover. It's brilliant. Isn't so it? this is um, Little Scratch by Rebecca Watson. Um, so uh, she's got great like, three different. She's got three different covers for this book now. And she's also got a French copy. And like, oh, all the covers are great, but this is the best one. Like, I, I'm happy with my one. So this is, it's uh, what Nikki likes to call, what was it? A skin-like background? What, <laughs> what was it about Leave the World Behind? What did you call it? A skin shade? I don't skin remember. Shade. Yeah, you, you said something really weird. It's like, um, no, 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 it's Irish, Irish son eating a clippo <laughs> in the, in Gary Vaux. And he's slightly sunburnt, like, and he's a really pudgy little child. You know, that's mm. that's. The we color. can all we can all very we can visualize that very easily. Yeah. Um. So it's a very very pale pink. Um. <clears throat> uh, a very pudgy uh, child in Gary Vaux. Um. <laughs> uh, sunburnt, slightly sunburnt child apparently. Um. Background <clears throat> with little scratch is kind of up at the top, but in the forefront is this like crumpled yellow piece of paper, with a. Uh, line drawing a single line drawing of a person so and then it's it's like really crumpled and then like what I really love is that like uh they folded a piece of the paper obviously this is not a, a pop-up book it's all like <laughs> that surface but a piece they of paper glued is a, glued a, <laughs> glued. And, and, and they're like posted not like on it <laughs> um if I wrote a book that's probably what it would be <laughs> self-published um but then a folded piece of paper like on the right hand side <laughs> with extraordinary by the from the new yorker like just get that review in there so somehow um but yeah it's a really interesting cover so i think i've been on a 
recurring just week by week now. I've been having pretty tough books to guess. Yeah, um, this by the is cover. Mean. Um, and to be honest, click clicky <laughs> combined you and nikki you and chloe together uh nikki and chloe are gonna get revenge i'm gonna start picking like different edition of book covers because <gasps> i think this one's great uh no i'm gonna pick like really tough book covers to get back oh but this this one you could do this, a lot with the is. title is very good so, little scratch okay. so what i'm gonna say is that our this is kind of ooh, I'm going to say almost like a diary in itself of um, an art student. Mm-hmm. And um, they are kind of obsessed with this capturing an image of themselves every day in a sense of kind of capturing their feelings and emotions on paper. And they're always kind of giving out like their diary entries are really negative and very kind of berating themselves really that they can't do it and saying that they're a failure and like how did they get into I'm going to say a really prestigious art school probably in New York or Paris or something Mm -hmm. and you know how can they not do this and comparing themselves the whole time to other people and you know she she oh (laughs) making this uh, a female it seems um (laughs) she kind of compares this urge in her to get this drawing and this kind of um, obsession that she has to a little scratch that she has each day that's what she refers to it in the okay. book as um got that title in there pretty soon go on. Um, pretty go quickly on, I said. um and like that she can't you know get rid of that and you know it kind of consumes her for the entire day until she kind of gets these down on paper or like then she tries different mediums of like paint mm-hmm. um you know clay work you know all that kind of modeling all that kind of things to try and get the the perfect form or the perfect artwork and you know she actually does produce some amazing stuff and her college professor supervisor is like oh this is great and she's like no and you know as this story unravels we kind of see her unraveling as well like we get a lot of her past maybe the the book flash for like the book is like she rips pages out of the whole time to like put together her to draw herself and things like that so pages start slipping out and she just puts them in in any order so we're getting kind of flashbacks at different things that she's written from the past and so we get a a viewpoint into her different things that's happened in her past and I'm going to say that she comes from a very wealthy family but um, they did not encourage her doing art and they've kind of cut her off really until she comes to her senses as they view it and you know that means like a whole kind of cut off from her life which affected her really badly and um she's trying to get jobs you know working as a waitress or something but she's kind of given up on that so she's to make something she kind of what's the word um or to, to kind of be able to live, um, her college professor or her supervisor, I'd say, would found out about this and he's taken advantage of her. So this whole no. unraveling is her trying to, I'd say the artwork is trying to her to document really how she's feeling. And she wants to see how much these life decisions that she's made are affecting her by looking at her appearance. Um so like as they get going I'd say like the front cover is one of the ones that she's done and you can see it's it's quite hard to see a person there do you know and that could be her fragmenting a parish and things like that mm-hmm. so it's I'd say it's it's a pretty dark book of someone being completely taken advantage of by someone in a power you know a powerful position you know someone who's supposed to be kind of <clears throat> nurturing her and you know taking her on and is instead doing the absolute opposite and I'd say um what it all comes down to is that she has a complete mental break when he starts taking her self drawings and her all her self um portraits that she's made and claiming them as his own work and yeah and I I would say that she has complete mental break and um you know 
she she tries to prove that these are hers and she's like no 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 like look this is from my like the papers from my notebooks um like there's you know people have seen me doing these in college even you know he is stealing my work and I'd say this is kind of she goes and she's taken away she's gotten help and there's a huge massive break in the book that you're like you're left on this cliffhanger and you're like no oh my god and then there's um, those empty pages it, it all shows all the empty pages in between and you're like what's happened to her and you're flipping through the book and you're like oh my god and then suddenly we're coming several years later and it's her fighting a legal battle to get these <gasps> really famous art pieces now declared as her own and oh it's massive and it kind of finishes off on kind of like Becca, write this book. What the fuck? <laughs> write I, this book. I didn't know what I was starting off with, and <laughs> it got a bit rambly. Um, do it. Back. <laughs> no, write this book. Like the way you took even the title, little scratch, and made it into that. Like, oh, I love. I love. Can I tell you about this book? Yes, it's definitely not okay. that. But <laughs> now you, there was a sentence you said where you were like, "It's someone in power taking advantage of someone." kind of beneath them mm. that they should be guiding and that is that is a massive component of this book no but, yeah I know to bring it back though this book is about an unnamed character sure or else I missed it but I don't, I don't think she has a name <laughs> when I was researching I couldn't find her name either so we don't know so that they do that that they don't name yeah. the protagonist and you're like so the unnamed protagonist and you're like please dear sweet Jesus, hero. don't let don't <laughs> let there actually be a name in there and they're like actually her name's like Lily and you're like her name's like Rebecca (laughs) um no there she's unnamed um this book is the day of a woman and a really ordinary day she wakes up kind of slightly hungover she goes to work and the book ends when she goes back to sleep so it's just all one day one day the whole thing Um, which is it's it's a really really cool idea because as you're reading everything takes place like it feels like you're reading it in the pace that it would be happening which is really cool so this book is written it's kind of a stream of consciousness kind of a thing um everything is in first person or first person because you're dealing with this woman's internal monologue and also like her catching things as they happen and like oh there's a sign over there it says you're in between what she's seeing and what she's feeling all the time so um the yeah it starts when she wakes up anyway and the whole book is written uh in this very strange really experimental narrative where you're reading between columns you're jumping across pages it's like it's all over the place and I was really excited to pick this up because it was kind of like oh in the spirit of grief is the thing with feathers which is you know it's one of my favorite books yes for Max Porter um it was saying like you know like you'll really enjoy this book so um we have an unnamed protagonist she works in an office she's like all of us she's watching the clock she's like checking to see has her has her boo messaged her on whatsapp and um we learn pretty quickly she has a tendency to scratch her leg um behind her knee and she scratches really compulsively and she knows it but she gets a lot of relief from it so she's like almost rationing how often she can scratch herself so that the that she doesn't draw blood and a lot of her monologue is like can i scratch now should I scratch now? And it's like, she's only uh, a tight, like the only thing stopping her is like the thin material of her tights. Like she's so close to being able to scratch all the time. And it's, it's this overriding tendency Mm. that you're hearing for this whole book. And um, she, it's revealed uh, pretty early on that she has been the victim of a sexual assault. So um, warning there, if you are going to read this book, it handles it very, very well. It's very, it's dealt with, with with a lot of peace in mind to the victims and what they go through. Um, you're dealing with the aftermath of, of the situation. And a lot of the book is about her. She's going to meet her partner that evening and she wants to tell him um, what's happened and that she's been assaulted. But she doesn't want she doesn't want to say it in case it changes anything. And she's kind of living in the in-between of like, I can pretend it didn't happen and try and claw onto a normal life again. Or I can come clean and let life change and let the healing begin. And it's it's quite it's quite heavy. It's a it's a very heavy subject matter and it's dealt with um 
really, really well. But what I will say is with the experimental writing is it grated on my nerves quite a lot. And I think like when I when I read this book first, I actually didn't enjoy it because of the way it was written with the with the columns and the jumping pages. Um, my mom has a theory that I'm slightly dyslexic and definitely dyspraxic. And maybe it fucked with me in this book. <laughs> Because I was just gritting my teeth for a lot of it because I couldn't get comfortable with the format, even though she's a fab writer. It just wasn't it wasn't written for me. Is there a particular <laughs> reason, do you think, why it was written in that format, though? Um, Like it is like this. It is her attempt at like how we how our brains talk to themselves. So, you know, like there's like there's an extract where like half like one column is her seeing a sign and reading it and then the column alongside it is her commenting on what she's reading so these two things are happening like at the same same time time. but then my I I was just getting frustrated on like how do I read it do I read it fragmented like column to column or do I read one column and then read the next I was just I was overthinking it and I couldn't settle into the book properly um which really bothered me because I know like in the reviews like this book is really fantastic for the people that get it but I I don't think it's for me and it makes me really sad because she's a really fab writer and I can't wait for her next one but ultimately like the style isn't for me um but like uh what else do I have here actually yeah I just I just felt like I had to work too hard for the book and um Again, it's kind of, it's my own processing thing. Um, I've known people that have absolutely loved this and people who have just read it in one take and have been absolutely astounded. And it's one of those books that in the reviews, people are going back and rereading and catching another breadcrumb and getting something new from it every mm. single time. But no, not for me, which I hate that I'm saying that because it is, it's really well written. But um, Rebecca Watson, her birthday was actually on April 1st. So happy birthday to Rebecca Watson. Um, she edits for the Financial Times and she lives in London. And this book actually started as a short story, which I kind of couldn't believe because it's so well fleshed out. Mm. Like It doesn't feel like the like the pacing isn't off. The pacing is very, very good. And it feels like one collected like unit. Like I can't believe it started short. And um, like she set herself a challenge that she wanted to write like immediacy. So like to write something like immediately as it would actually happen and to have like a really fast pace. And she decided to write like a moment that's hyper focused on the present in her own words. So um, she's really, really cool. I'm I'm so excited for her next book. I love her Twitter. I think she's gas. Um, And the oh, there was something else I was going to say there. Oh, yeah, like a couple of the experiences in the book have actually happened to her. So like there's a really funny moment where like she's sitting down like um, having coffee and someone asks her like, oh, what books have you been reading? And she sits there like, fuck, I don't know any fucking books. <laughs> like we've all been there. We've you know all been there, yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I've never read a book my whole life. I don't know how to read. I can't think of one answer. And uh, the book is there's really, really relatable moments throughout. But yeah. It was just a format thing. It just, it, I didn't get, I, I couldn't comfortably read it. I couldn't um, adjust to the book as much as I really, really like her style of writing. And I think um, she has great ability to like make the words almost come to life. Like, you know, when she's writing a sound, it's like mm. you can hear it. When you just see it, you can hear the thud and you can hear the clack or whatever it is. And she's, she's gifted. So I'd give this book, for me, a six out of ten, but I know oh, this wow. is someone else's ten out of ten. Like yeah. I know it is. But so it, it I really, really like recommend. It's purely the format, is it? Yeah, it. I feel like I feel like it was like a locked barrier. I just couldn't get into, and I really, mm. really tried, but it just wasn't for me. Um, oh. it, yeah, so I'd give it about a six, maybe a seven. I would love to reread this and give it another shot in a couple of months and see mm. if it. If there's just some mental block I have right now, because there's moments in it that I love, but I just I was gritting my teeth through the whole thing because <laughs> I was like, fuck, now I have to read this. And like, what way am I going to read this page? Am I going to read left to right or am I going to read right to left and mm. up and down and zigzag? I, I just couldn't get out of my head. Mm. So um, I'm sorry, Rebecca Watson. 
<laughs> I was expecting a, a higher score, but like, do you know, it's all kind of personal preference. And like, you know, I'm sure it's probably with you, it's one thing, but for me, probably my OCD would be like, why can't this be written normally? <laughs> For me, I just was overthinking it and I was actually frustrated because I, I like would be staring at the page trying to decide how to read it. Mm. And I just wanted if there was like a little guide in the beginning, like for for reading pleasure, please read each column one at a time. I'd Imagine like, if there perfect. is one there and you just didn't look at it. No, <laughs> oh, I'm looking it. now. <laughs> Rebecca, did you leave me a guide? That's what I wanted. Um, no, no. No, no, no. Um, but um, it's very, very good. You will read it very fast. You'll fly through it. And uh, I think it's one that you could pick up and just read in a sitting and have thoughts about for the whole day because it's very, very powerful. I um, mean, even the fact that she just used one day, do you know, is such an so interesting true. concept because, you know, like when I think of my, a typical day, my days are pretty boring for the most part, do you know? <laughs> yeah. Like and just a lot something of interesting book- happened? No. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of this book, things don't things happen that maybe aren't actually interesting, but you're mm. watching them happen. Like this bit when she like finds a crumpled note in the bathroom, and she's like on the she's on the subway, and she sees like a man with a dog, but it's mm. actually a teddy dog. So then she's this whole narrative like, I don't want to call it a teddy dog because it's not a teddy bear, and it's not a stuffed dog because that sounds worse. <laughs> like it's very funny, yeah. and she's like watching like a kid watch the dog. And it's it's very normal and you can place yourself as the narrator. Mm. But uh, and it deals with really heavy subject matter really well. And the whole book is a normal day through the lens of trauma and like how it really manifests in very strange ways. Does her her attack come up at all like a flashback Uh, or anything like that? Not a flashback, but she does talk through it and you get okay. a couple of breadcrumbs throughout. So I would, if you are sensitive to that kind of thing, I would warn you. Uh, I am too, particularly, but I found this book quite easy to read through. Mm. I found it okay. Yeah, it's not but, used um, as a sens- sensational kind of part no. of the book. Do you know? It's, it, it, it's, it's The character feels really real. And yeah, I think it's dealing with the effect that it's had on her and you know the trauma that it has yeah had on her, there's a bit know? in it where she's thinking of how she's going to tell her partner and she's kind of like oh but like it wasn't that dramatic and like I should I tell him it wasn't that dramatic and, it? and she's almost diminishing it mm. and it's very sad and it's just it feels very very real yeah. and uh it's it's very very well done so I oh. I think this is someone else's 10 out of 10 Wow. Uh, I'm kind of interested by mine. it, but I feel like the format would be something that I would just I, I think you hate it. it. I, I think get you'd angry hate it. At it. Do you know? Um mm-hmm. cuz even I think you posted a picture of the some of it on Instagram and it was like little scratch but like it was going in like curves or something. I was like, "Oh, I'm annoyed." <laughs> I know, like look. Um oh yeah, oh oh yeah, Lord. Becca can't like, even look at it. <laughs> I think it looks so cool. Like it looks, rush, rush, it looks rush, rush. so cool, but it's. And then there's a bit when they're like disembark, and she's like, "Bark, disembark." Uh, no, <laughs> that funny. that would. Oh, that would make me kind of like itch. Like that would give me like the urge to scratch. I'd be like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, that's what she was going, going for." for. Hey. Um, but yeah, no, a very interesting sounding book. Um. If you are into grief as the thing with feathers, I think that's the wrong comparison for this. Mm. It's not the same vibe. I think it's because it's the same publishing house. They're like, what has done well? Mm. That's like kind of like, you know, contemporary. Yeah, it's experimental for sure. It's very, very good. Um, But, you know, maybe match it up with something that is definitely a lot more experimental than that. Um, Yeah. Do you know, I, I have had that sometimes like I was telling Nikki the book that I'm reading at the moment um on the very front cover of it it says um I think the milkman if you put the milkman and dairy girls together like this is just hilarious I was like oh and I love dairy girls like I was fully expecting like that humor just be like pulsing through it and I'm about I'd say 100 maybe 120 pages in like it's a pretty short book and I'm like I'm not getting any dairy girls so far. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not getting any dairy girls. Like, there's no maybe bits girls. or pieces of a little bit of humor, but I was like, do you know when you, you hype it up to like 
that kind of standard of like really like, like very good funny. comedy I'm, yeah. I'm I'm expecting more and yeah kind of disappointed so far yeah like I don't know sometimes comparing a book to another book can be like the downfall like that it can really just can. be it can really wreck the book for you uh, that book that I did last week um the last thing to burn mm. was compared to the room and misery and that was like spot on like mm. if that's what you're like go for it <laughs> this book I just sometimes if an author even recommends it I kind of go like ah oh, I like them I usually trust mm. their opinion like whenever I see Marion Keys on something I'm like I know I'm immediately <laughs> like love you Marion <laughs> um or even a few others that I'm like oh I usually like what they read or things like that um but sometimes when the when the description or like comparison doesn't match up, you're like, what were you reading? Because <laughs> that's not what I'm after reading. But, you know, whatever floats your boat, do you know, um, we all come up with our own kind of versions of things in our head. But uh, mm-hmm. hey, I will send in my book. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited for this one. Ah! <laughs> so truth be told I have heard a, a lot about this book because Becca hasn't been able to shut up that I know she loves it but like from the title I have no fucking idea what it's about, <laughs> what it's, about. it's a great title a ghost in the throat and um so I'm looking at the cover now it's a black cover with um it's it's like a, a kind of like a focus photography shot mm. when um the subject of what they're shooting is in light and everything else is in shadow so we're looking at a black kind of a background with these flowers coming into the foreground and there's like these really lovely green like deep green leaves they kind of look like something you'd see in a briar bush Mm. instead of like in a garden like this is something that they'd see like at the side of a road kind of a, a shrubbery and it's got these orange and red, really exotic looking flowers. Um, the the kind of orangey ones look like they could be dying. Yeah, I, I kind of think it's that kind of past and present kind of thing, you know, with, mm. the, with the flowers. Um, yeah, oh, that's true, because they could be the same type of flower and one is just mm. shriveled up. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, cool. And then the title, A Ghost in the Throat, is written in the center in white ink with Dura Nigriafra. Love her. She's a griffin. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki Negriff is coming for you, girl. Okay, so I already know this book is going to be fabulous. Oh, also, very strange on the cover. There's a little like white White um, circle. I think think that's the the publishing house's logo. Because that was throwing me for ages. Something to do with like an iPhone, like kind of alert thing, because it's on the. Like if it's a window, it's on the wrong side. Um, I didn't notice it for ages. And then I was like, I don't have that on my book. And then I was like, wait, I do. No, it, it is actually weird. the publishing house okay. because um yeah, a really weird logo. And I was like, I kind of don't want it on the front cover. Yeah, you know? it literally it looks like one of the like you'd click it to X out of something. It looks like yeah. a pop-up ad X. Like yeah. I'm looking at this on Facebook Messenger and the X is identical, just inverted colors. Yeah. <laughs> get out of this photo okay like to be honest the title is the most intriguing thing mm-hmm. a ghost in the throat so I definitely think that play on past and present is happening because that kind of is in the title a little bit as well so I think this is about a little girl who um oh okay I'm getting a visual I know this isn't what it's about <laughs> But I am going to go with this. Okay, so I think this is like a little girl who's growing up in um, kind of 1920s, 1930s Ireland. And she's in a rural village and she's quite young. And she's out playing in the farmland with her brother and she falls out of a tree. And she, like when the when the the mother and the father and when the village kind of rushed to save her, she looks like she's dead. Like her, her, her back is kind of bent in a strange way and she's gone very, very pale and she's rushed to a doctor and um, 
they kind of they kind of say like look things aren't looking good she is still breathing but things don't look good but she makes a really miraculous kind of strange recovery where like even the bruises fade a little bit too fast Mm. and um she's she's fine and even though she's healed and she looks healthy she looks like the same child she the mother doesn't think that she is she's very very different and she's very quiet all of a sudden and I think the mother notices that things are strange when she walks into her daughter's room at night and the daughter just has her eyes open and is looking at the ceiling she doesn't sleep so I think this is this is going like yeah the demon child (laughs) this is going around like the eerie like Mm. horror roots and it's definitely not what this book is about no because it's definitely not a book I'd read exactly (laughs) yeah exactly um but uh I think this child is like the mother is convinced like this is not my daughter like this isn't her this Mm. isn't our Mary (laughs) because they're in Ireland this is not our Mary but um the father and the brother are just really relieved that their daughter is okay and they're kind of they're not really taking note of the changes because they just Mm. can't believe she recovered at all and that she's able to walk and she's able to run the same way so the whole village is kind of praising her as like thank god thank god she's all right thank god she's okay but the mother is starting to really resent her because she does not trust whatever has happened to her daughter she thinks there's something wrong um then I think the mother starts to like I think uh, an incident happens where the mother like grabs the daughter and is like who are you who are you and then the daughter is about to say something Mm. and she kind of goes to like laugh and then the father runs in and he's like get away from her you're scaring Mary and all this she's like that's not Mary and it's like this big thing so I think the daughter knows that the mother doesn't believe her Mm. and essentially I think it boils down to that there has been um there was another little girl um literally like maybe 50 60 years ago um before the incident had happened that had fallen off the same tree and had died the same way Mary did and she actually uh, reanimated Mary's body. And I think the plot twist is that it's the mother's sister all along. And she forgot that her sister died by falling off the same tree as Mary. Boom. Oh, my God. It <laughs> all comes back. So it that, all that, comes, that that's ghost was just waiting baby. there. That, that spirit or ghost was just yeah. waiting there like... Come on, and somebody's child. Yes, it's past and present. So the past is coming back. And I think like it's it could be called ghost in the throat because Mary's still somewhat there and she has her mm. moments, or because this ghost is, you know. It's in probably another Mary's Mary. Let, let, let's be honest. Like if it's set in Ireland, it's another Mary. It's another <laughs> <you know>? Mary. <laughs> it's another Mary. It's sure, it's, sure um, it's Mary Pat from down the road. I thought you were gonna make it really dark, and maybe that the this if it's related that to not the mother. Dark enough? that if it's related to the mother um that the mother actually pushed her sister off the tree and that's how the sister died <gasps> oh so my then god maybe she's, she reanimated the daughter's brotherly as kind of a revenge not letting the daughter <gasps> come back and took her place oh instead oh my god oh so my god it's like Becca! a form of torture oh <gasps> it is and then mary murders the mother exactly that's or, where I was going. Mary, I was like, or Mary like the mother is like please bring her back I'll do anything so she like this is at the, like the end of the feature mm. film she like brings her back to the tree and like her daughter like her her not real daughter the ghost mm. daughter pushes the mother off the tree and then Mary comes back as the mom, the mom. <laughs> so you know ooh. um yep. Not this what this is book it. is about at all. Are you sure? Are you <laughs> sure? I, I feel like I feel like I'm onto something here. <laughs> Fairly certain. Um, so this is a book that I had kind of had my eye on for a really long time, and then um, a bookshop in Galway, Kenny's bookshop, had a deal on uh, Irish women writers for um, uh, the International Women's Day. Um, a few weeks ago and um, I was like I've got to get some book deals and went in and this was one of the books that I got and um, 
oh where do I even start with how much I love this book <laughs> like it has quickly become I'd say one of the my favorite books I've ever read um, oh! which is saying something which is saying something it is one that Go I on, really agree yeah it, it is it is one that I will absolutely love and reread quite a lot so um it's a very recent book it was published in 2020 and it is um a work of autofiction so what that kind of is is for people who don't know because I was like how do I explain yeah I don't have a clue <laughs> um, it's it's kind of a mixture of fiction autobiography memoir and biography all together okay so it's it's and the thing is though it's so well done and blended together that you're like ah nothing feels like Mm. oh we're suddenly onto a a different section I feel thrown or something it's all just beautifully worked together like um when I was reading a review someone talks about it almost like knitting like how interwoven everything is and you're like yes like that is exactly how I would describe this book of like I just think of like um, different materials just coming together, different like colors of wool. And like, you just see all these things like just, ah, beautiful. Mm. Uh, You'd have a beautiful scarf at the end of that. (laughs) Oh, it'd be stunning, girl. It'd be all autumnal colors. (laughs) So this book um, is, uh, Derinder Grifa, how she comes about writing this is, um, she's always really admired um, a Cork poet, um, Eileen Dovnikonal, um, mm. and especially her poem, Queena Arthur which is um, Arthur O'Leary, because um, actually that was my granddad's name. Um, oh, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, this poem in particular, uh, Eileen wrote this after finding her murdered husband's body. Um, yeah. And um, it kind of gets a bit of a gothic twist that um, after finding his body, she drinks handfuls of his blood um, so that they're forever connected. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) you know, I was like, well, it's not expecting this (laughs) gothic. I'm not sure I do that with Mateo's blood. I'd be like, no, put it back in the body. Um, (laughs) Keep it there. Save him. So um, this poem, um, it's it's pretty long Aquina is a lament for people who don't know um it's it's a very long one and it, it's kind of been handed down generations which would have been very popular in Irish culture and you know dear Nigrifa now in current mm-hmm. present time is it's something that she always comes back to having kind of found it maybe early on in life I think she kind of describes that she found it in school or something and it's just something that she's always had this you know, um, what would I say, kind of connection with almost that she's just gone back to the whole time. So as her kind of life com- like moves on, you know, we kind of meet her after she's had two kids, she's married, everything like that. And, you know, there's bits of past and present in her life as well. We're brought back to kind of very important moments in her life as mm-hmm. well along the way. But it's, it's, and Queen is coming back. Um, straight to the forefront of kind of something that she has that's purely her her own um, during the days because you know what she does um, day-to-day life of like looking after children making sure they're fed looking after the house she you know this kind of inner domestic life is the whole way running through it but like you never get bored of it it's 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 Mm -hmm. kind of on my own like I think at the start she talks about like making lists and like you know the satisfaction when you cross something off your list I'm like oh we all done new (laughs) hook it to my veins we all Um, done new girl (laughs) so I you know I it's one that like really transports you right from the start but like Mm -hmm. she she kind of you can see that bubbling interest of like you know she wants to do more with this poem you know that this it kind of becomes almost an obsession as the book goes on so as she kind of you know we're seeing her day to day she kind of starts doing her own kind of project of kind of delving into the life of Eiling mm-hmm. and really trying to piece together what her life was actually like and as the book kind of goes on she this quest kind of you know leads her to actually visiting these places and you know it's um because she was in 
a Cork poet. Um, you you come across places that we we probably both know as well. You yes, know, um, like which is great. Um, McCroom is mentioned a lot. Um, Darren House, which was um, Daniel O'Connell's. Um, Come on, give me some nari. <laughs> nothing in the city really until like no. present time. But um, yeah, it's a lot of County Cork, and I was like, oh, I've been out there. I work there. <laughs> um, you know, kind of stuff. I was like, ah, oh, go on. Go on, McCroom. Go on, McCroom, boy. Go on, McCroom, and things like that. So it's, you know, and kind of how these massive places, you know, she tries to piece together what maybe demolished houses might have looked like, looked like, and it's it's very kind of beautifully done. Like the imagery in this book is just gorgeous. Do you know you get such mm. a vivid sense of what it is? I mean, any kind of gaps you can kind of see the fiction coming in of her trying to piece together even her early life. Um, do you know, and the thing like I would say it's it's kind of a feminist work as well because she's kind of saying like this very amazing like poet, her life is pretty much missing because it's it's been left to men to tell her story mm. and even then these men have only put her down as a wife a mother someone's sister things like that you know a relative rather than an individual human that needed it's like that whole thing when they're like this could happen to your sister it's like no this could happen to another human being <laughs> yeah you know it really it does and it, it's it's something that you kind of get riled up on that you know there's whole segments of her life that are missing. And, you know, at the end, she does accept it and kind of say, look, this is, you know, there's an element of mystery that will always be there to, with her. But it's it's kind of interesting to see, you know, as she she delves even deeper into the research and, you know, that, you know, she, she goes and she goes through census documents, court records, you know, she starts trying to piece. She mm-hmm. gets so obsessed that she starts going to other relatives, like down the line to see, is there any mention of her? at all and is really heartbreaking that she's not do you know it's only like these pieces do you know that she isn't important kind of thing like that I kind of that really kind of stung me really reading it she delves into like motherhood as well as another thing that connects them and you know not only is she talking about Eileen but she talks about herself a lot that you know motherhood is this massive sacrifice that women make I think I have a quote somewhere here about motherhood that she makes and I was like yeah (laughs) yes girl um in choosing to carry a pregnancy a woman gives of her body with a selflessness so ordinary that it goes unnoticed even by herself and you know I think it is it's not something that a lot of people kind of acknowledge is like a woman is you know going through this very big process mm-hmm. you know literally changing her body for changing her body but as well you know like any nutrient the child doesn't get it takes it from your bones do you know things like that it takes it from the mother and you know she kind of delves into that and it's such a kind of I don't know oh I would say I would kind of call this book like such a magical journey that I was reading I was hooked from beginning to end mm-hmm. I'm not doing it justice with the with what I'm talking like I know I'm not doing it justice we can hear your love it's so hard to kind of get it into but like that you know from the very the very first chapter is um called a female text and I think that just sets the whole book up for what it is it's about women and even like if you think about you know her becoming a female writer that um you know her we see this obsession like she can only kind of get to it when um like these stolen hours really or stolen minutes like she's sleep deprived um she does it maybe when one child is sleeping or the others are at school and it might be like 20 minutes and it's kind of like you know how much you sacrifice they need to do and then they're also trying to kind of do this kind of work Mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of a lot of it is kind of that like very I would say subtle feminism going through it I've read (laughs) books that are a lot more angry um do you know do you know what like I think of course we have a right to be angry but Mm. with every with every situation when you when you can handle it with grace it can it is I would say that this is nicer even though I don't blame people for being angry I I think what I would call this I would call this more a celebration really for being a woman and I think as well that she kind of makes the whole idea of being a woman kind of the the very center of this book 
you know mm-hmm. it, it's running the whole way through it you know she talks about breastfeeding um she, you know everything like that or her her day-to-day working life you know domestic life her relationship with her partner um do you know it, it is it's really running through the whole thing and it's and then her obsession with another female poet really that yeah it, it's kind of this whole backbone to the story is women and you're there kind of going yeah women are the backbone of society do you know Wait, y- y- you bitches wouldn't be here without us <laughs> exactly um so it is and it's kind of she kind of poses this question the whole way through like how different history would have been or would be if women were valued as individuals rather than as if women know, were association writing. do you know and it's it is really interesting i would say like dear negrifa sounds like a badass of a woman like at the start mm-hmm. she's still breastfeeding even though i'm not sure her second child i can't remember um i read it a few weeks ago but um mm-hmm. she donates her breast milk to um oh. yeah and i was like you go on woman well done and there, there you wouldn't think about you like, wouldn't think about something like that yeah. and she kind of even talks about her connection of like this breast milk going to babies in um neonatal units or high dependency units that you know how important it is and mm-hmm. things like that and you're like oh my god like that was one of the oh chapters I was like oh my god um like it's such I I was blown away by how much I enjoyed it because I was kind of you know I, I was kind of like this is really hyped up I don't know and then I was like oh my god hook it to my veins <laughs> I was no, like I I will reread this book so many times like you just get this such a powerful connection to both the author but as well this poet that you know it was around in the 1700s do you know and do you know how much history kind of overlooked her for being a woman do you know and yet mm-hmm. she was a badass herself you know she she married this man um Arshi Lera even though her family didn't for, forbade it do you know um and you're there like to do that as a woman from quite yeah. a powerful family during penal times um yeah and she wouldn't have support without her family wouldn't have support and you know then he's murdered quite um only a few years after they're married do you know and you're there kind of going like she just kept going do you know and raised her children and she kind of just disappears after this this queen is written or she composes this queen and it's you know it's such a powerful kind of like why did history not remember her do you know or document her life more fully it is it's yeah I'm, I'm I know I'm going on for so long um no I love it <laughs> it is it when I say like I've been waiting to talk about this book um but like the what I love as well is um at the start of each kind of chapter like section um she has a little bit of the queena and her translation of it which she kind of she kind of is a bit hard on herself as well that she says like I'm not uh scholar or you know a professional translating this but you're there like no if this is your passion project and you are you deeply do invested it, you do it you um, do so it <laughs> having this these bits of Irish coming into it as well like it's just so rooted in like mm-hmm. Irish women that it's just so it's what you want um like I'll just read the very start one the start um Hukmahul Aradit and she translates it to how my eye took a shine to you how my heart took delight in you like it's so beautiful um and like even like there's so many bits that i could quote from this book um she like this is a female text she starts off with but then she goes this is a female text composed while folding someone else's clothes this is a female text born of guilt and desire stitched to a soundtrack of cartoon nursery rhymes and then another one this is a female text written in the 21st century how late it is how much has changed how little like just to even comment on that at the very start that it's kind of this this kind of book is kind of overdue you know this celebration mm-hmm. of um Eileen Needov um or Eileen Dove Nicunnell and you know it is and even the end like I'm just heartbroken for her that she can't there's massive gaps in this timeline that she's put together that she can't yeah and she accepts it um 
you know, and it's it's kind of beautiful the way she writes about it. I, I have my post-it note in here to kind of <laughs> find the place. Um, so it was kind of, uh, where is it? My attempt to know another woman has found its ending not in the satisfaction of neat discovery, but in the persistence of mystery. You know, and, oh, and another bit. Oh, I found another bit. Um, I've held her and held her only to find that she holds me too, close as ink on paper and steady as a pulse. Oh my God, stop it. Like, when I say <laughs> I'm going to read this book. <laughs> this, I would recommend this book to all of our listeners. I, Is this your favorite you've done on the podcast? Yes, I think yes. so. I really <laughs> think it is. And I think it's going to be in my favorite books I've ever read forever. I think I even um, in our poll or uh, questions I got people to ask us on Instagram. Someone was like three books you'd bring on a desert island. I was like, this has to be one of them. And I literally, I think I was still like, I want to just reread it again. Um, Yeah, it's just beautiful. Like her writing is gorgeous. Imagery is just beautiful. The way it's just so beautifully blended together. like there's I could go on talking about it for so long it is just amazing beautiful book and you know oh I can't wait this is her first book of prose um Mm -hmm. and I'm there like write another because like girl just beautiful because even um she's got her whole translation at the back of um the queena and Mm -hmm. oh like that even in itself is just it's so beautiful um so you can see why she you know got so connected with it but um dear negrifa is a poet and essayist um she has mm-hmm. published six critically acclaimed books of poetry that explore birth desire death and domestic ah, domesticity domestic life i'm just gonna say that <laughs> I was I like i don't know what word you can't, just said can't say, that. <laughs> can't say that word it's one of those words that just doesn't come out and that's definitely themes that run through this book as well um she's received a lot of awards in her life um so far oh um because she's quite young um so awards for her writing i don't know but she is quite young um mm-hmm. do you know and uh awards for her writing include lannan literary fellowship from the usa the ostana prize in italy um, a Seamus Heaney Fellowship from Queen oh. University and uh, the Hartnett Poetry Award and the Rooney Prize for Irish Literature so that's just I think for all her poetry and things like that Go and off, then Queen. this book has also won many many prizes and awards so far um, but it is um, it's up for the Rathbones Folio Prize and I really I was like Elaine Feeney was in it and this one and I was like Ah, oh. <laughs> I probably would have given it to this one. Um, Did Elaine Feeney win it? No, someone else. Um, which is actually on my a glass castle or a glass house, I think. Oh, okay, I I don't know that um, book, but um, I have to I have to remind myself who won it. But um, it did win on post uh, book of the year. So go on, on post. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful book. I'm sorry, I was probably rambling on for so long. Girl, we book. love it. We but, love um, it. I would highly recommend A Ghost in the Throat by Darren Negrifa. Oh, like the review on the on the an enchanting, a shimmering, beautiful and moving book. Yes. One hundred percent. They got it right. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, it's a ten out of ten. <laughs> I would even give it like a twenty out of ten. Like it is so good. <laughs> so good the fave Rebecca is simping for journey Grifra like (laughs) I if I could meet her like oh she just sounds like such like her writing like soon as she releases another book like I'm there like you know when you google like oh is there a sequel to this book or like is the author working on the next book I was like journey Grifra new book (laughs) new book new book 2020 2021 2021 2022 you know um like new book every year please and yeah it's just beautiful so highly recommend that um I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to have a counter as I'm as I'm like editing this episode I'll be like how many times did I call this a beautiful book um but yeah so a big recommendation for me I love I love we got two badass women here yeah. um, so that's not her debut she's doing other short it's prose, her it's her prose. debut prose um everything else okay. I think has been poetry that she's released uh, okay. which I'm actually very interested to read her post poetry now um like even at the back I think the Irish language is incredibly important to her as well um like in her at the back of the book it says um she's a bilingual writer 
um do you know and I think that's really important you know to mm-hmm. like the Irish language how important it is to her that you know she never really says it in the book but you know having those little bits at the start that it's not just a translated poem that's there it's the Irish the original yeah and it's just oh like having that bit of Irish as soon as I saw it I was like oh my god queen I'm in love queen. <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Ah. I, I I need to go back and learn Irish. It's my own thing. It's taught. It was taught so so badly in my primary school. Like shocking. And so it's always thing, something I, that I've never gone back to do, and I've I always regret it. It's it's you see I went to um all Irish primary schools and secondary schools, and like I I'm really sad now that I think I've lost quite a lot of my Irish. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's something that I'm like, even saying Ilera there, I was like, oh, I said it really weird the first time. <laughs> I was like, and I'm going to edit that out. So you'll be like, what? And I'll be like, I edited it to the correct weird? version first. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that it's a common thing I've heard the whole time that like Irish is not taught well. And I would agree with that. No. Um, you know, like up until sixth class, I was doing fucking nouns. I had no idea. I knew all of the fucking Irish nouns for the classroom. I didn't know how to put them in a sentence. Yeah. Like, like what good is that like? That's I'm like, like, that shouldn't be the case. <laughs> you know, um, and you're there kind of going like, I've met so many people or even reading people that have gone back to learn Irish and they're like, it's such a beautiful language. And we do not celebrate our own national identity enough in this country. No, we don't. Do you know? And you're like, I wouldn't ever force someone to learn Irish if, you know, they just don't want to. But you're like, even look into our our own kind of culture. Do you know? It's such a beautiful, beautiful language. And, you know, it just kind of gets pushed aside, do you know? Yeah. Um, it really bothers me a lot. And, you know, yeah. So... I'm kind of I really want to go back and be like oh I just love to have like Irish conversations with people um but I have lost a lot of my Irish and I'm really sad about it so yeah I know we'll have to get Chloe Chloe on the podcast to do an Ask Gaelga episode for all Ask you Gaelgoers out there <laughs> um but yeah but no so I mean two pretty powerful books I'd say um, yeah definitely different themes. Um, I don't want you to think just because Becca gave hers 20 out of 10 that I don't stand Miss Rebecca Watson because I do <laughs> and I can't wait for her next book I just hope it makes sense to my dyspraxic brain <laughs> yeah it's it's the form that really put you off do you know oh, that um, was all that put me off because she's great she's great but I love that um I love this female author thing we got I know, yeah. long may it continue I know I I'm kind of there like how many men have we actually featured on like, this podcast how many men have we stand no, Max Porter that's about it Richard <laughs> Osman Richard Osman and Will Dean that's kind of um like we really don't feature many men on this podcast but um I have a few male writers, you know, authors that I have on my bookshelves that I'm like, oh, um, it's just, you know, when you're grasped by a book and you're just like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. You know like, what? That's, there, there that's what I felt with this book. For a similar perspective is always easier to relate mm. to. So, of course, we love yeah. women. I will say, though, um, that um, parts of that book when she talks about breastfeeding, I was like, I'm terrified for the future, like that she says like even like her child looking up at her like that just makes her breasts start flowing milk I was like no no well oh, I worry about that all the time because I can't even like even putting a bra on I'm so scared of touching my nipples because they hurt all the time Ooh, and probably need to go to the doctor instead oh, of shit. I don't think they should hurt girl what am I gonna do <laughs> um but even she was saying that like only one of her breasts produces milk and I was like what you mean that the, the, both of them aren't even functional <laughs> do you know and even like stuff like that and you know yeah it, it was one bit that I was like uh, <laughs> do you know I was like this mm. is making me feel weird because I oh, haven't experienced it childbirth um, is so scary I've met so many like even teachers in my really really Catholic school were like now you're not going to get epidurals you're going to do it naturally <laughs> fuck off and like one of them one of the girls was like but like 
it's really painful and she's like you kind of forget about the pain at one point I was like yeah because it's that bad that you just pass out <laughs> they're like the love for your child it makes it all worthwhile I was like I'm sure it does after but during that's not going to help me <laughs> sorry they're saying that actual childbirth is just under being burnt alive on the pain threshold scale <laughs> like burnt alive childbirth oh my God. <laughs> And um, one of those one of those is more difficult to avoid than the other <laughs> exactly um yeah it's just oh the do you maternal instincts of it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've no idea what we're going to title this right um Bye. i love how we're like ah. um Goodbye. so <laughs> yeah uh, love how Nikki's just like we're doing the intro right bye 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 no, I'm like, Royale, yeah, but no. <laughs> so um if you want to go um see more of content from us or like book reviews or you know just book related things Goodreads, um, Goodreads, Goodreads. Go follow us on Goodreads, uh Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, Twitter. Um, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. Yeah. There we go. Um, I got a jingle. <laughs> so with that uh bye bye